0: bulls gold is delivered to you via the barroom network now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about chicago sports movies and more make sure to subscribe to the barroom network for free and easy downloads of its programming and visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts hoodies and mugs now on with the show
1: in progress.
0: Hey there, welcome to Bulls Gold on the Barroom Network. I am Saleem Sutterwalla and as always I am joined by Edward Shula Jr. Hey Ed, how's it going? How's your weekend?
2: Hey, my weekend is good. This is uh this is always one of uh, my favorite shows that we do throughout the year, the post-draft show where we just get all this reaction. We just we sum up everything that happened in another really crazy draft and it's just a really good and fun episode that we do each year, but yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm excited to talk about everything that went down with our our bulls. So yeah, let's get into it. How are you doing, man?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm 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 surprised by the draft results, not only for the bulls, but just overall results. Uh, it was very uh, like helter skelter, if you will. Like the draft just kind of went everywhere after like maybe the top six pick. It was just a very
2: well, like even surprising. down to the, the top one, like the first pick, because... Like, that's true, the, that's
0: true. It, it kept changing. It, like, <laughs> yeah. so in the morning, like, Woj announced it was going to be, I think, Devari, yeah. Walker, and then it changed also to Paolo. I don't, yeah, yeah was, that... the whole, was very bizarre.
2: Yeah, the whole thing with Woj basically, like, spoiling the top three at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, and then the Vegas odds are locked, and then they come <laughs> out, and then... Everything completely (laughs) goes against what Wolves is saying. And to be fair, though, he did, like, say, like, 30 minutes, I think, before the draft started, uh, you know, maybe Orlando was wavering. And I I took it as, uh, I think they're just trying to, like, just make sure people watch because maybe he kind of, like, ruined it a little bit by spoiling everything in the morning. But it ended up coming to fruition. So, yeah, it was just a really – It was a much more surprising draft than I thought, and those always make for the best TV.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to definitely talk about the draft, uh, how it affected the Bulls, and just get general Bulls thoughts in general. Um, And obviously the best person to have post-draft to give us a good breakdown, he is the Wolf on Wall Street uh, does the Draft bo- uh, draft DAC podcast, and as also with no ceilings, our friend Corey Tulliba. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, man?
1: What's going on, fellas? Uh, my favorite post-draft pod to hop on every year yes. by far. Uh, appreciate you guys having me back, as always. I'm, I'm ready to, to chop it up, talk some draft, talk some bulls, talk anything else that comes our way.
0: Oh, man. hell yeah man yeah, we but- gotta we have to like take these opportunities Corey. because one day you're just gonna be like man, i can't fit you guys in <laughs> my schedule it's gonna happen so we gotta get you on as many times as we can right now
1: <laughs> i appreciate that but yeah. now i'll always i'll always find time
2: yeah always always gotta give a big shout out to cory because every time we have him on doesn't matter like how much time in between he's always leveling up like each time and he's just always thriving always grinding hard so i know he was busy throughout the draft cycle and yeah, we're always just appreciative to have him on bulls gold.
0: Hell yeah. hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, Corey, let, let's get into the draft in general before we get into the bulls part. Um, obviously this draft surprisingly like, uh, like Ed and I were saying the, the top pick was kind of all over the place. And then after a, a certain, uh, spot they got into, uh, teams were just kind of taking players that were projected to maybe go a little later or to other teams, and then there was that crazy trade with Detroit, New York, and all that. Um, certain players falling. Like, what? What was your general sentiment of this draft? This is something that didn't surprise you, like when you were doing your scouting all season, or is this something that even you were kind of surprised by?
1: No, I don't. I don't think I was surprised that it was like, because I think that my lottery, the results shook out similarly to what most people kind of thought. There were a few guys who like, I was surprised AJ Griffin fell out of the lottery, even though I, I heard a little bit of chatter earlier in the day that he might. Um, I But there was like the New York Detroit trade that was chaotic. And I was, you know, hosting the draft stream trying to figure out what was going on with two Knicks fans who thought like maybe they were going to get Jaden Ivey. So that was kind of interesting, but I I think that with the top of the draft specifically, I just never bought into it's a lock a month before the draft. I just never bought in because you learn every year the draft is chaotic and consensus is just about always wrong. Like always. And, uh, I don't know, a week, two weeks before draft, the draft. I think it was a week before. I did a uh, a mock draft on the, the Draft Act podcast called the Wild Card Mock Draft, where I was like, I know that Jabari is the favorite, but let's say he's not because he might not be because consensus is always wrong. And we actually mocked the first four picks the, the way that the actual draft ended up shaking out. So that was more accurate than what all the expert mock drafts turned out turning out so it's the draft is unpredictable it's one of the reasons I love it so much because even though you think that you know the the Toronto Raptors are going to draft Jalen Suggs they're going to go and draft Scotty Barnes instead or the Thunder are going to reach for Josh Giddy at a you know when he's not mocked there there's always chaos so um there were a few things that I was surprised that I disagreed with but not necessarily things that quote-unquote shocked me what
2: it- what did you see in this draft in terms of like what, what was the most surprising pick to you maybe in like that top 10 that really shook out outside well like outside of the top 3 but still in the top 10 so what was the most surprising pick to you there
1: Uh in the top 10 the most shocking pick to me um man I <sighs>
2: Or were there there's any not, surprises really? There, like, maybe No, there's not forward? anything
1: that really stood out. I know a lot of people probably would have been shocked that Jalen Williams from Santa Clara went in the lottery. But I did a, a podcast, you know, a couple of weeks before uh, titled, Is Jalen Williams a lottery pick? Mm-hmm. Um, and I made the argument that he was. So that didn't shock me because he's really good at basketball. I was on Keegan Murray's Going to the Kings on on that bandwagon for a while, I guess. Shaden Sharp to the Blazers, maybe a a tiny bit, Um, but also just based on some of the the things I was hearing in the background or or reading of the tea leaves in the background, you know, in the week leading up, um, that didn't shock me either. You know, it wouldn't have shocked me if he went five to the Pistons. Once Ivy was available, I knew he wouldn't, but I had gone to a showcase and was talking to, uh, like, earlier in the week and I was talking to some scouts and they were all talking up shade and sharp. I honestly, I, nothing really shocked me. I guess the, the I was, I thought Jalen Duran just based on his physical profile uh, the fact that he's so young that he improved so much. I thought he was going to go in the top 10, but outside of that, it honestly, and, and the fact that AJ Griffin wasn't in the lottery, nothing was surprising because everybody had different opinions and different boards that, We're all kind of similar but different, and the the draft was really deep in that regard. None of it really played out in a way that I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Let
2: let me ask you this then. What did you think about – so when – I wasn't following on Twitter or anything, so I'm just watching everything shake out as it is, so I I didn't really have any knowledge of trades and stuff. So what did you think when you saw – The Hornets take uh, Duran, and then they took Williams thirteen and fifteen. Then they trade uh, Jalen Duran to uh, to Detroit for that package of draft picks. That I think a lot of Hornets fans were kind of (laughs) confused on that one. But what did you think of that one? Like it it just, I don't know. To me, it seemed like the Hornets, if they were dead set on trading that pick, it it seems like they could have done better. But it also feels like they could have. If they kept the picket, it feels like they could have gotten a better combination of players that were more useful. But I guess they're trying to do something with their roster where they can keep people for a certain amount of money. But what did you think of all of that?
1: Yeah, I well, one, as it shook out, it was complete. It was a disaster because we were... Our draft stream, we were trying not to spoil anything for people. You know, we wanted to not have the Woj bombs uh, unless it was like a big trade. The only thing we wanted to do was like, as Adam Silver announced it, that's when we wanted to announce it and give people an option to stay off Twitter. And and as it was happening, like I was trying to balance like forming cognizant thoughts while also hosting this stream, and I couldn't figure out what happened because there weren't any details coming out as far as the Hornets' strategy. I feel like. I don't know. And I I guess it was a money thing. They didn't want to bring in two picks, but I really thought they could have gotten like a valuable wing at 13 and then have their choice. Like, let's say the Cavs weren't going to take a big man. Uh, You know, they, they're just too loaded there. Uh, Whether or not they planned on trading that pick, I guess you could, to somebody who wanted a big, but either way, the Hornets would have had their choice at 15 of like Durin or Williams if, if, the Hornets just took a wing at 13. I really thought they could have got a valuable wing that was cheap and like able to grow and contribute with them uh, while adding either Williams or Duran. maybe they just really loved Williams, but I still think they could have got him. I don't know. I I think that the Hornets thing was, was pretty wild to me. Mm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't
0: understand that. I thought like I figured like Duran would have been better than Mark Williams. I mean, I really liked Mark Williams too. Yeah. Uh I just thought like, man, they if they take keep Duran here, that's a really great pick. And then with fifteen, like you said they could go with a a solid wing. Um or vice versa, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I was I was surprised with their pick. The other player I wanna really ask you about is EJ Laddell. Like Hmm. he was projected to be in that mid first round area. You know, sometimes some places I saw like low lottery. And then others in January in that 15 to 20, um, ish, uh, spot. And he just kept falling, falling and then fell into second round. And I was thinking, I was like, man, bullshit kind of get in here and buy a second round pick and swap him up, pick him up. I was I thinking the same going- thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why, why, why is this guy falling? What's going on? Like, what, like, what did you, have you heard anything? The reason that he fell that so hard like that, um, it's so confusing. Like, other and before I you answer, I apologize. Like, I was thinking, like, is that is this again a thing about age? Because he is gonna be twenty-one going into this season. Um, people overlooking that because he's already kind of has developed skills to an extent, and people are maybe underselling him on his potential uh, and to see what he can, you know, fruition, like come become as he develops on. Because it's just a confusing thing that he fell so low.
1: I was me and the, the entire no ceilings team. We were like, bewildered why he like to not go in the top 30 is one thing, but then he does. Uh, he doesn't go in the top 40 either. Like, yeah, you know, it was crazy. And he was a guy that I would have been thrilled with if the Bulls took him at 18. Because yeah. Theoretically, he's like what you want. Switchable long wingspan protects the rim uh, can shoot it a little bit. And, I, I guess it has to be the age thing. Because the other thing too, he was interview. He was crushing interviews. Like this is a kid who is well spoken, really like brilliant, processes the game well, great energy, like nothing but positive things. Now I, I had spoken with somebody in the NBA uh, a few weeks ago, like talking about Liddell, and they were like, "This kid's really good, man." Um, and I was, and they they were like, "But he's going to go lower than he should." Now, I took that as meaning, like, maybe he goes, like, 25. You right. know, like, it, mm. that's what I was kind of interpreting. And I think that's what the uh, NBA personnel was kind of interpreting, too. So, I think t- for him to go 41, that was crazy. Especially when I look at, like, okay, the Bulls took uh, a chance on, like, a wing. That makes sense to me. But when you start getting to, like, the Heat took Nikola Jovic at 27 over him. Yeah. When... Mm what like Nikola Jovich is way more somebody that represents like a Duncan Robinson, who's not going to be able to play in the playoffs because his defense is so terrible versus somebody who actually projects to not be played off the floor much in the playoffs. That was crazy to me that I was, I was shocked by, I was shocked by a, a few of those teams that actually have like aspirations of maybe winning like in and going, having deep playoff runs and for those teams to pass on him. That I was a little bit – I was, that I thought was a little iffy. But, mm-hmm. I mean, look, these teams have a lot of difference of opinions in their front offices. Um, the, you know, David Roddy went 23 to Memphis. Like, to me, I, Liddell was – I had way, high, ranked way higher, and it's probably somebody they're going to do somewhat similar things to. So, all it takes is one team to just have a little bit of a preference of somebody else. And they could have had Liddell second on their board. But if they don't, you know, pick him, he can end up sliding a little bit. And that's what happened. But I think we're going to look back at that and realize that was a huge mistake because that, that dude's going to contribute to winning basketball.
0: Yeah, I think, and it's funny. I, I keep looking at at the way drafts are coming out. And I'm I'm wondering also, like, NBA teams need to, like, rebuild their scouting departments because – I just think, like you said, you know, we we talk about age reasons. Uh, people are putting too much stock into certain. Like, I, w- I was talking to uh, my Galero at the draft party, and I was thinking, like, you know, people will see to a nineteen-year-old who is more raw and be like, "Oh, but look at he could potentially become these certain things." But then you see a guy like EJ Liddell who's twenty-one who already has certain skills developed, and they're like, "Okay, well." I'd rather get the 19-year-old because he's two years younger and maybe he can project in three years after his rookie contract is done. Meanwhile, Liddell, who's already has things that you can bank on, as, as at least as a floor, um, and then when he's uh, – sure, he's a little older, but at least he, in that rookie contract, he'll be productive, help you win. And seeing as how like advanced player development has become – like, people to players today are still developing into like their 27, 28 years of age in this league. Like, guys are not done adding skills uh, to their game. Yeah. It just that's how advance has gone. So, it's just goofy to me now that um that age isn't being such a big issue. And I feel like maybe, I feel like maybe like people like yourselves who do scouting and people like NBA people right now are still like kind of that gap. And there's probably still a lot of older people in the NBA scouting departments that kind of view scouting in in, in an old way and aren't really looking at all the little things like that, like player development and, and just the modern game too. Mm.
1: No, for sure. And like, what's weird to me is there's like this weird, we're at this weird time, like the Spurs took Blake Wesley at 25. And look, I'm a little bit lower on Blake Wesley. I know a lot of people like him, like his potential, but for a like, I feel like the bar is set so high for guard play now that, like, the chances of players ultimately hitting their high end outcome it's extremely rare. You know, right. like you, it's much more realistic to look at what are they gonna be if they just hit like the their their medium outcome, right? So a guy like Wesley for the Spurs, like you just took. A couple of picks earlier, you took Malachi Branham. You took Josh Primo last year. None of these guys are going to be just given the ball and being like, "Go get better in an NBA context." These are guys who are going to be playing in the G League. By the time they get to the NBA, like chances are, if they're playing in the playoffs, it's going to be like as a as what like the third option. Like, I, let's say Dejounte Murray, they keep him, they don't trade him for a huge package. Like, they're not going to supplant Dejounte Murray, this guy who's an all star, high usage ball handling guy so all right like you you need to be Damian Lillard you need to be Steph if these guys are going to make an impact in in the finals down the line like your your best hope is that they're Jordan Poole which is valuable um but if Jordan Poole was on another team without Stephen Curry and Draymond and Clay, like he's not impacting winning the same way whereas like I don't know. EJ Liddell is a guy that I could see playing all through the playoffs on like multiple, like on almost every team I to me, like the, and you mentioned the age thing. I, it's not like EJ Liddell didn't improve this year. Like he yeah. improved on a ton of his weaknesses. He's still getting better. I think that there is going to be this course correction of, of, team's missing on guys who are already good at stuff. And like Mikhail Bridges, do you think the Knicks wanted could have that one back where they took <laughs> Kevin Knox, even the bulls. Like we took Wendell Carter, who's turned himself into a good player, but I would have, I'd rather have Mikhail Bridges. Um, All right And, and Mikael won multiple championships. Jalen Brunson, winner, older guy, won championships, you know, like, uh, Ochai Agbaji this year is another guy who, you know, he went at the end of the lottery I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, and, and, you know, you could say lottery is not like falling too hot, you know, too far or whatnot. But like Osha Igbaji is a guy who's clearly has NBA skill set to as a baseline three and D wing with a winning pedigree. And now he gets to go to a situation where he's like playing off of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. It's like the ideal scenario for him. But like these guys who also have skills, but have a taste of winning. They know how to win. Like, I think winning's a skill you yeah. you know like no, i think yeah i think it's a skill so for some of these older guys to bring that and and i'm not saying that they're these guys are going to be all-stars but the bar is so freaking high to become an all-star and there's so much more that goes into it than just your baseline skill opportunity your work ethic are you going to be like jimmy butler and go shut your internet off and train in a cabin in the woods for three months <laughs> and like it's so hard. I don't you know. You should.
0: Like, you should. Everyone should do Everyone that. should. Like, it's like, you know, it's turned
1: Jimmy Butler into what would like, Jimmy do? Generational wealth. Everybody should live by what would Jimmy do for sure. But I don't know. I think these guys are undervalued. EJ Liddell, it was perplexing. He's one of my favorite uh, targets for the Bulls in the draft. But I'm actually, I'm, I'm thrilled with who he ended up with. But I, I can't believe he fell. And some of the guys who went ahead of them actually went ahead of them.
2: I think the, I think the high school era and then the peak of the one and done era established a really hard popularity for getting guys who were coming into league as like 18 and 19 year olds. And then we got to a point where we were really, uh, like disregarding or even just, Playing, underrating the upperclassmen who come into the league like Salim has been talking about there's mm-hmm. a significant chance that these players are not done developing and that their ceiling is actually higher than anticipated so we're we're still seeing we're seeing more of these players come into the league and having that higher ceiling and I remember loving Mikhail Bridges while some people were like He's the next Tony Snell or something like that. But it's well, just people like. people are mad.
0: <laughs> people are also mad, like, oh, he could only be Luala Deng. It's like, so what? Right. Luala Dang. Yeah, was, really was a good, good player. Like an amazing outcome. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> like, player. You, and that's what a, are you complaining about?
2: That's the other thing too, is just like every like uh, Corey was saying, everyone in this draft, in most drafts, are not going to hit their ceiling. So you really have to start to look at median outcomes and and decide for yourself if you like a player's medium median outcome. So, if you think that someone's median outcome is <laughs> Dang, uh okay, I'll take that because great. The, yeah, time
1: all star, <laughs> yeah,
2: a, a fringe <laughs> all star, a guy that was a great defensive player, and you could put in your starting lineup for nine or ten years and play winning back. That's a good outcome. So it's you. You really, you really have to consider those things. It's just not as it's not as like cut and dry as who has the highest upside take that player so even io yeah io yeah. is another one so it's like io you look at his median outcome right now it's probably a what at this point might be like a 12 15 year career as a a really yeah. solid two-way guard right. like yeah i'll take that
1: like <laughs> where does he go in a redraft
2: easily right? yeah yeah easily. yeah
1: 100
0: percent. and like even like herb jones just said like uh, last year, like yeah. teams like like a guarantee you are kicking themselves like passing on. Like, I don't care sure. if he's twenty three years old, like he's arguably already the best defender, a perimeter defender in the league, <laughs> like yes. at twenty three. And sure. again, player development has gotten so crazy; it's not out of the norm to see him develop a little bit more, and then all of a sudden become just consistently this high level role player. And then you decided to let him fall. I don't know what exact pick in the second, but I know you fell pretty far into the second. Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's goofy. It's just goofy. And it, and you and and you probably took all these other random players that are not going to amount to anything. Um, like your like not obviously Cam Reddish didn't go in this draft, but your Cam Reddishes is yeah. that are to show a lot of flair, but you know throughout their careers have not ever really shown any consistency and. Um, showing any type of reason for you to be into their hype machine, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just a very perplexing thing. And I think, I think at some point there's gonna have to be, uh, you know, like, like scouting departments are gonna be have to reevaluate and how they're looking at these prospects. It just, it just doesn't make sense.
2: And and on that same note, that brings us full circle to the Bulls draft pick because when Corey mentioned that winning is a skill. This player seems to have a skill of winning, and seems to do skill have like general skills that contribute to that. Where he's not really someone who's going to dominate a game scoring wise, but it seems like he does a lot of the little things that add up. That like really blend in with a lineup versatility can connect so many different things to make things work. So we're looking at the Bulls pick at 18, Daylon Terry. What do you think of this draft pick, Corey? Like, I, when, when it, when I saw it, like it immediately, I didn't really know a ton about the player, but when we were talking before the show about, uh, like doing a quick YouTube, uh, scouting, uh, take, yeah. I liked what I saw from him and it was pretty easy to see why the Bulls front office is really in, into this uh, kid. So, w- what did you think of the Bulls pick?
1: I, I was so excited about it when, cause, so, the funny thing is I was asking uh, an NBA executive about Dalen uh, probably in March. Like it, maybe it was before the tournament. Um, and I was like, what's, what's up with this Dalen Terry kid? Mm-hmm. Like, cause when he's in the game, it's like palpably different for the way that Arizona team ran. He is so excited. We had a couple of the guys on the no ceilings team scout him a couple of times live. And they were like, you have no idea. Like, this dude is first team, all vibes. Like he has the place just rocking. Like his teammates love him. He's it's just, he is that like leader, like vocally, he has the energy. He's always like excited. And um, so we were like really high on him before he had even declared. And, and I was talking to this NBA uh, executive and, and I was like, what's up with Dale and Terry? Like, is he going to stay at school or is he, to declare and they were like well from everything I'm hearing he's going to stay in school but to be honest I don't think he's actually going to that's just what they're saying and low key I think he's the best prospect on Arizona mm. so so that's over uh Christian Coloco who went to the Raptors that's over Benedict Mathurin who went 6th in the draft to the Pacers like and this was before he declared and What I love about Terry, and if you're a Bulls fan, you can now see the pattern of what the Bulls are looking for in building their team. Yes. They are looking for big, versatile, two-way players that have a ton of skills and can switch up and down a lineup with length and are these connecting pieces. Like, I freaking love this pick. And, you know, it 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 didn't so much come out of nowhere that he went this high because Gavoni on the ESPN like YouTube draft special that they did a couple of weeks ago, he was saying that like Terry is one of the hottest names in the draft teams thought they were going to be able to get him in the second round. And now they're calling him asking like, where do we have to trade up or where do we have to trade back to? And he was like, well, you might just have to take him at your pick if you want him because he could go in the lottery. So, uh, you know, for the Bulls to get him, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, if he had gone back to school, he would have been a top 10 pick mm. next year. So he came out and the Bulls lucked out. Um, I'm I'm majorly excited because 6'7", 7'1", seven, seven, wingspan, uh, the shot looks funky, but it goes in. You know, you want to see the volume up a little bit, but the kid is one of the best passers in this draft, which does say a little bit about um, the point guard play in this draft in general, but the way he leads guys, like I you could just picture him throwing backdoor cuts to Zach. And uh, I'm, I mean, just bringing energy, getting guys running in transition. I'm very excited about the Terry pick.
0: Yeah. Are you, I, I I was looking at um, a lot of the sky reports. I looked at the one that you guys did. I looked at another one as well. Um, I felt like, I felt like a little Lonzo-esque with him, um, as far as his off, his, um, his defensive game, like as a roamer, uh, him as a passer, like I, I saw similarity as a connector, like him always, especially on obviously on the fast break, the way Lonzo really always has his head up and gets the ball up, up on fast breaks really quick. And then even in the half court, like his vision to find guys to finish plays that are open or cutting to the basket or whatever have you. And then obviously with a shot, his offense is kind of similar too. Like, so obviously shooting wise, Laundry showed a lot more volume uh, in college, uh, but he had really bad mechanics, which then in tra- didn't translate well, uh, his first year or so in to the pros, but then he obviously completely changed the mechanics on the shot. Uh, but I look at uh, Terry and I don't see really bad mechanics. I can see him st- if he just ups the volume and just gets the repetition. I can see him becoming a decent spot up shooter, like a catch and shoot guy. And then similarly with Lonzo, they don't really have a middle a mid game. Uh, though I think Terry might be a better finisher. Uh, but we'll see how that works out in the pros. But yeah, I see, like I said, I see a lot of similarities with Lonzo. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on that comparison?
1: no for sure there's definitely some lonzo in there uh you know his, his shot he shot 36 percent this year from three it was only on like two attempts a game uh right. he, i think he was over 40 percent in the tournament so he, the mechanics are funky he's got like a, a, a weird like elbow thing uh that kind of like flares in he... and out. it's not consistency not anything crazy like Lonzo's. Okay. um but he, he definitely you know he's, he's a prospect he's got some things to to tighten up but it's not anywhere near where it's like he has to rebuild his shot but he's got good touch on the shot uh 74 from the free throw line which is okay it's not like he's a 62 percent free throw shooter and the you're looking at like he hits some shots on low volume so he's a decent enough shooter um i think his he needs to develop a consistent floater you know he's got like he gets to the spots easily and the touch is like it seems okay but he definitely uh, it needs to go in more, you know, ultimately like you don't want a 10 cent move or a million dollar move with a 10 cent finish, you know, you want it to go in. So I think that's going to help him a lot. If he can get to his spots, drop in a floater and use that as like the counter for, you know, when teams just try to meet him at the rim because he doesn't have that mid range game. So if he can develop the float game, I think that's important, but, ultimately he is that connector he's that Lonzo he's that Derek White that guy that like is just going to keep the ball swinging from side to side if he doesn't have the ball in his hands he's going to hit spot up shots cut back door you know if you need him to play with the ball in his hands he's going to make great reads be unselfish I what can I say he's like he's like one of these guys I think he's going to impact winning for a long time he's going to be one of the best teammates in the league he's got a chip on his shoulder like dude is like I'm 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 Super, super, super excited. Uh, hes I haven't been this excited about a Bulls draft pick in a, a long time.
2: I, I like what you talked about when you mentioned that we're seeing a trend with all of the players who the Bulls have drafted so far. And, yeah, it, it's really easy to see, like, the versatility, the length, the athleticism. Uh, I think they all play hard. Uh, I, like, I look at Patrick Williams. I think he can probably, like, rub off from a guy like Terry because – Yes. Yeah. The the energy is insane, and he just seems like a really, really like you said, first team all vibes. I like that. So when I'm looking at Terry, my question for you is, what do you think the chances of him being able to produce as a rookie are? So we we looked at I O last year, and we didn't think there was really any chance, and yeah. he came out and he's second team all rookie. So <laughs> like, is there a chance that Terry is? maybe able to produce in a similar way right off the bat? Or is this something that we're looking like more slow burn? What do you think?
1: I think there's a shot because what one of the other things, like all the guys the Bulls draft are tall, Mm. you know, like and Mm -hmm. he's six, seven. So theoretically, he could also play some like small forward, maybe even guard up and switch on power forwards. So I think that positional versatility gives him a chance to earn some minutes because Assuming Lonzo's healthy, I mean, you have Lonzo, Caruso, Zach, uh, Kobe's still here, you know, Io, like the Bulls' backcourt is pretty loaded for now as far as depth goes, but he's tall enough to play with those guys in those lineups, so I do think that there is opportunity for him to earn minutes. I, I think, you know, like any rookie, you got to take it slow, so we'll mm. see how he adjusts to the to the speed of the game. Um and play but I think playing with guys who know how to play well, who are high IQ guys, he's going to be able to fit into that, and I think that'll help him. It's not like he's going to a situation like uh, I don't know, one of these rebuilding teams that are just trying to accumulate talent. Like the Bulls roster makes sense um, and, and with guys that he could play with. So I think there's a chance, especially because he he defends, yeah, you know, and and, and to me, like if you could defend you're going to have a shot of getting on the floor, Yeah. you know, and, and he's got the versatility. So I I think it's hard because I think even IO was a surprise, obviously, you know, that's why he went in the second round. Um, yeah. But when you have like chip on your shoulder, dog mentality, uh, you bring energy, you defend, and you have the ability to knock down spot down shots. I think there's a chance he earns minutes. I, will he play 25, 30 minutes? There's just not enough minutes available to him for that. But I do think he could be like, you know, the eighth ninth guy in a roster fill in in spot minutes when guys are out for sure early yeah. on
2: then it was it's funny to me because i i think there were rumors that memphis was interested in terry and as soon as i read that i was like oh yeah i could easily see that like <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely that type of like yeah. that type of culture and that type of team like yeah this is yeah i, I really like this pick uh the more that yeah. i read about it and i think even uh our guy Morton Jensen also had like a really good uh like thread on Twitter if you can find it about Terry and his fit as a prospect. And yeah, it's it's just a very solid all around pick.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. It, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm liking him more and more. Um, and obviously looking at AK's draft history up to now, is he definitely has a type he likes. He likes guys his versatility, but he he wants guys that are, have like long arms, <laughs> like it's like a yeah. must for him. Like those like long arms and big hands that can they can completely like um really disrupt the game basically. Mm-hmm. And the next guy that we're gonna talk about, Justin Lewis, uh, who ended up being a two way signing. And I was after after he was signed, I was looking through draft Twitter, saw a lot of people mention. Best avail- available undrafted guys, and all these people had like a bunch of names. Listen, and he was one of them, like continuously. Um, looking at a lot of his intangibles, like his measurements, like he he is long, like he's like he's six seven, but he has like a a seven point uh seven two point five wingspan. Um, his hands are huge, like ten point five inches, like hand size. Um, yeah, this this kid is just like his measurables like compared to a lot of like current really good um to great players like on uh, OG Ananobi Anon- for example has similar measurements. Obviously, Kawhi is similar. Kawhi has longer, bigger hands. Kawhi hands are just biggest like ever in NBA history. But uh, but like it's like only half an inch smaller than Kawhi's hands, for example. Kawhi's is eleven inches. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the names I was seeing compared to as far as his measurements are concerned, like, man, this is, this bodes well, I think. Um, and then you look at his game while we're out looking at his video, I saw a lot of like, seemed like, I think he's probably definitely a four and maybe a small ball five. Um, and as he develops more, he can probably be, play five a little bit more as he gets stronger, maybe. Uh, and I don't know how much stronger he needs to get, but yeah, I, I like, I, I really like this pick. I really like the way AK operated with this uh, second round, uh, this un, undrafted two-way signing up. What are your thoughts on Justin Lewis there?
1: Man, like, it, you could see me, but you could go and watch the reaction to when the dra- as the draft was ending and, like, all the guys started leaking out as to where they landed. I fist pump on the live stream because I was so amped that he was <laughs> the guy that the Bulls targeted. Now, you know, to me, like, the fact that he wasn't drafted in the second round is just, like, negligence on the part of NBA front offices. But with that said, when you get to the second round, there's a lot of politics uh, with agents who are trying, like his agent might've been like, Hey dude, don't draft him. You know, I want to be able, you know, I I, I could get a deal for him um, with a team that is going to give him an opportunity. And that's probably what happened with him as, especially as the draft kept going on and on. His agent was probably pushing him to not get drafted. But yeah, the fact that some of the teams, took guys that they took when this is a, like a young kid who really improved, can shoot it. You, you talked about all the measurements. He's got absolute tree trunks for legs. If You cannot yeah. move him off his spot uh, is going to be switchable. Can shoot it, like create his own shot. I, I don't know, man. Like did these teams not, did they not watch all the wings that were playing in the playoffs? Like this, it's a wing league. I wrote about Justin Lewis earlier in the year. Uh, for no ceilings in a piece called what would Masai do where I was basically theorizing, like if I was in a front office, my drafting strategy would be looking at what Masai Ujiri has done with the Raptors in trying to build a team of tall, versatile players with length that could all play on the floor interchangeably. And thankfully as a bulls fan, it seems like that's what AK (laughs) has also strategized um, so Lewis was one of the, like, is like the epitome of that, in my opinion. And he's a guy I had a first round grade on. He's a guy that I've been following for much of the process. So I was, I was amped about him. Cause I think he's a kid who has a ton of potential, uh, maybe is a little bit further away from contributing. Cause I don't think he has the same kind of like feel that innate feel that gets you on the floor. I think, you know, as a passer, he's probably going to be more prone to some mistakes, but Certainly down the line, like he's the guy that you want to throw on a Jason Tatum, <laughs> like in the right. Eastern conference, like Jimmy Butler, because he's not going to be overpowered by them. He's long enough to disrupt them, uh, just make them work for shots, not saying he's going to be a lockdown defender. I think people are higher on his offensive defense, although I think there are flashes. He just needs some some coaching up. But like as far as his physical capabilities, that's the guy you want on those kind of guys. And he's the kind of guy that I think Masai Ujiri would typically target. So again, as an undrafted free agent, like home run, like uh, literally uh, you could go to the no ceilings draft stream and watch me fist pump as we announce it because uh, I was amped about it.
2: Man, It it seems like him and Terry honestly are just like cut from the same (laughs) exact cloth. Like they both seem like they are like good momentum, just good vibes. Like they're tough. They play hard can play on both ends. Like you said, they can guard, they can guard multiple positions. The flexibility is there. And like, what really surprised me is, and I, I wanted to ask you about like, what do you think his jump shot potential is? Because when I, when I, again, I was doing just casual scouting and like his shot looks a little like, it. I don't really know how to describe it, but it doesn't look like great, but doesn't look bad. But yeah, then his footwork at, is a little weird. Yeah, but then you look at what he did in conference play, and he shot 40% from three on, like, pretty solid volume, like five attempts a game. Yep. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> kick and shoot it, man. <laughs> like, yeah. kick and shoot it.
2: So, like, what do, sure. you, what do you think of, like, the, the shot potential is there. Like, how, how likely do you think this is to, like, really translate to the NBA?
1: Oh, I have no question that he's going to be able to shoot it in the NBA. Like, to mm-hmm. me, like, uh, it's all going to be like how quickly does he figure out defensive principles okay. you know because like I think that one on one he'll be fine Uh, but ultimately like I think that he's the guy like he could be the kind of guy that resembles like uh, you know a-, a Morris brother like that's the kind of role I could see him playing on a team and down the line that could be a starter like that could be your starting four you know what I mean like mm-hmm. uh, so to have that developing in your system and hopefully in a couple of years like be able to be an integral part of your rotation like that's what i'm envisioning for him i'm not worried about the shot at all the shot looks up top it's smooth he's got good touch and he creates his own shot it's not like he's just shooting spot up shots like he's Mm -hmm. doing stuff off the dribble um he could shoot in the mid-range like he's powerful like uh, he he's one of the strongest dudes in the draft you know and it's a lot of it comes from that base that core but yeah, very ex- you're not supposed to be excited about undrafted free agents typically. You know what I mean? Like yeah. but I was excited about Justin Lewis as if we took him with a first round pick. Like if we t- if the Bulls had traded to the 26th pick in the draft and they took Justin Lewis, I'd have been like, "Wow, what a smart, savvy decision that was." So to get him just basically for free. Home run. Home run.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting that they do have the two-way deal because the, these two-way deals are very uh team-friendly because you can – it basically comes down to uh, two years of where you, they're restricted free agents, essentially, back-to-back years of being restricted free agents and so you can keep the player uh, moving forward. And it'll be interesting to see how that works That almost It'll be interesting to see how that works out going forward with it. But um, definitely going into more where the Bulls are doing this offseason, um, free agency is like four days away. Uh, I think the evening of the 30th is when teams can start talking to uh, players to try to uh, get a you know verbal commitment from them. Um, and then like I think a week or so later they can officially sign. But looking at the Bulls, there's been a lot of rumors. Obviously, I think finally it's been confirmed Zach, that the Bulls will be offering Zach the five-year max. and Zach is going to be taking it right away. Uh, he's not going to even entertain other teams. Um, which is good, I think, because it gives AK an ability to make other moves quicker, knowing that Zach is on board right away. Um, and then there's been rumors about Rudy Gobert, um, other rumors like with Mitchell Robinson and all these other various tiny rumors, too, uh, with uh, Mischik uh, mm-hmm. with, from, from uh, Serbia. Um, so what are your thoughts generally about the bulls going into this off season? Um, like, are you for like the Rudy Gobert move? Are you for any drastic big move, moves or are you looking at some smaller things that they could pro- probably do?
1: Yeah, I I'm a proponent of trying to get Rudy, you know, obviously I don't want the bulls to send out like a Paul George type of draft capital package for sure. him, but I think that the Bulls are close and I think that the NBA is up for grabs, you know, like uh obviously the Warriors came back, but it's not like the Warriors were these heavy favorites, right? A lot of people had picked Boston to win. Boston was a team that was 500 for most of the year and just turned it on at the right time. And they were pretty close to winning a championship. I think the Bulls are very similar. They're built very similarly to Boston. Uh And it seems like, halfway through the year Boston kind of like space jam esque stole the bulls powers and they like switched, <laughs> you know, like it would, they went in opposite directions, but built on two wings that could score um, with like connecting pieces at, at the guard spot, like the point guard spots and uh, some like less than ideal depth otherwise. But Boston had like bigs that could lock stuff down and anchor the defense if the bulls had Rudy Gobert, who is literally like a top what three defense by himself, adding to the, the weapons that are better than Utah's in my opinion on offense. I think the bulls are one of the best teams in the East, like legitimately and have a chance to go to come out of it. You know, obviously if the price is Pat, which it seems like the bulls are unwilling to give up, maybe that's posturing who knows, uh, that's a tough pill to swallow, but you guys have heard me talk about Pat. Like, I, yeah, Pat mm-hmm. could very easily just be a really good role player down the line. And he could be a really good role player that has so much potential that you have to give him a max deal to like keep him when his contract is up. And maybe that ends up hurting you. So I don't know. I, this is a big year for him developmentally, but he hasn't shown me enough to be like, you shouldn't go get Rudy Gobert and if you have a chance to win a title. And I think the Bulls would have a chance to win a title with Rudy. They I obviously you gotta make moves on the margins after that, but with the DeRozan signing, with the fact that the Bulls are planning on giving Zach uh a, a max deal and you know, hopefully Lonzo being helped, like all of these moves signify the Bulls want to compete for a championship. Rudy Gobert, if he's if he's the guy that could be that missing piece, the Bulls have the scoring if he could shut the defense down, I think the defensive concerns in the playoffs are a little bit overblown because Utah literally can't stop dribble penetration anywhere. So it's putting Mm -hmm. a lot of stress on him and teams in the East. You know, he's got to go. You you need somebody to, to deal with Embiid. Um, You know, there's some big teams in the East. I I think it's worth it to, to go after him as long as you're not giving up like 15 first round picks.
0: I'm, I'm thinking about Caruso and Lonzo with Gobert. Like that would be a hellish team to score yeah. on. Um, and, and you'll be able to gamble a little bit more. Like Caruso and Lonzo will be, be able to gamble a little bit more because they know, Hey, we got Rudy backing us up here a little bit. Yep. Um, and you probably get more out on the fast break, uh, with them. And obviously you, you mix in IO as well in, into that, uh, as he'll improve as, as a defensive player. I know. You know, I've gone back and forth on Pat. I'm I'm not in the same boat as you just yet. Like I I do still have have a little bit more belief in him, but it's something like, look, it's it's Rudy Gobert. He, this is an all time great defensive player.
1: Right.
0: Uh, he's probably gonna end up in the Hall of Fame one day.
1: Um, definitely.
0: I, me, <laughs> definitely going to. Yeah, yeah. So so to me, it's it's like, look, this makes the Bulls a lot better at the baseline you can at least get out of the first round. You become like a 55-60 win team. I mean, to me, it's just like, dude, get this player. And on top of that, I think, like you mentioned, I think the Bulls have better guard play that can get him the ball in that restricted area for him to finish. Yeah. Uh, the, the Jazz really don't outside of Mike Conley, and Mike Conley was injured these in this past playoff. So that exasperated a lot of the issues with, with uh, Gobert on offense. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think to me when you consider all those little things, it's like, yeah, I think the Bulls should go get him. And th- this is like, I mean, there there's never going to be a perfect solution for the Bulls. Uh, like I you know I joke about around say unless tomorrow the Joker is like, I want to go to Chicago, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> KD. You know, I mean, and maybe that's what AK is waiting on too to seeing how this KD stuff uh turns out. Yeah, but. Like I said, there's not a perfect solution, and and this to be able to really improve your team. And let's say you do give, uh, you do give Pat up in this trade to get Gobert. Um, uh, like go out and get slow mo for the full mid level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could you know he can come in and start for you at the four. Uh, even Batum, I know he's he's gonna be uh supposedly like back with the Clippers. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe Rudy French can convince. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Rudy can convince him to come to Chicago because he'll have that uh, full starting opportunity minutes and everything like that. So, yeah, I'm I'm completely on board and we'll, we'll see what happens there. So
2: I'm so I'm in a minor- minority here because I'm not really on board with this deal. Now, I acknowledge that both of you made really good points. And I, I actually do think that if the Bulls acquire Gobert, that I, I, yeah, I can absolutely see them winning more games. I just not sold that a rim protector is really, like, the final piece to all of this. And I know Gobert is an all-time... Like, he's not just, like, any old rim protector. Like, he's a Hall of Fame caliber defender. I just think that it's easier to replicate the defensive impact of a player like Gobert than it is to potentially fill other holes down the line. And I think when you look at what you have to give up to get Gobert, where you have to give up a big expiring in Vooch and you potentially have to give up Patrick Williams. And I don't think, I don't think Patrick Williams is going to be some superstar or anything like that. So I'm, I'm good with trading him under the right circumstances. Like I was even fine trading him depending on like we were in a really good place at like the trade deadline. I would have traded him for another wing at the trade deadline for the right one. But I'm just not sold that Gobert is really the final piece to all of us. And I agree with Celine that there's really no perfect solution unless like a top five player in the league wants to come here. But when I consider price and when I consider what you have to give up and I consider the role he really plays on a team, I just don't think it's really worth it at that point. So it I, I, I don't know, like it's. The team will be better, and they're not going to suck with Gobert or anything like that or anything close, and they might even win a first-round series, but I I just think you're kind of really like putting a cap on what you can really be because I think for sure you're like definitely going to be locked into what you have when you have Levine on the max, Gobert on the max, DeRozan you have to pay to keep to stay at some point too. I I don't know if that's really – what you want but it'll be a good team though
1: yeah i mean there's no guarantee it's leading to a championship yeah or yeah yeah for sure you know I so i i agree i mean at the end of the day you still have to get through Giannis for the next 10 years so yeah i, I mean and Embiid, and you know you got guys like evan mobley and scotty barnes and cade coming behind yeah. there's no guarantee uh and Ideal, he wouldn't be like out of like the guys in the league he's not like the first guy on my list i would want to pursue with mm. with assets but i so for me it all comes down to price i i'm not giving up on pat either i think pat's going to be a valuable player in the league i don't want to like ship him off at the first chance we get so
0: yeah.
1: the other thing is like ak really has to go if like if he did that he's got to absolutely crush the margin moves because right. while i love mm. all of the guys that he's targeted and we still need, regardless if it's Gobert or not, the Bulls need so much shooting. And like, yeah, there's not like a ton of it on the free agent market. <laughs> you know, like the Bulls need high volume three point shooters outside of Lonzo and Zach. So you take away Vooch's three point attempts and now you have Gobert there. Now you need it even more. Yes. Right. And... So it's, it's, there's a lot of questions on how you build that team once you make the move so i i get it i'm it's not like something i would feel like okay we're locked into a finals appearance by any means ultimately i i'm still pro if it's available just because it could i could i can envision it more so than right now without being presented other scenarios i could envision it better than the the currently constructed yeah
2: and that's key too because and I think that's probably why I would be looking more towards getting, like, a more, like, someone who could play 3-4 still and can give you maybe some two-way ability. And if we do trade Vooch, then I, I think we can, like I said, I, I think we can get someone who is, of course, no one's going to be Gobert, but I think it's easier to replicate that type of rim-running defensive aspect in the NBA than otherwise so uh, yeah it's just a it's a really tough one to me like I I I know people are down on Vooch but I I really don't think that Vooch has really been like nearly as bad as what people were saying and I still like the aspect that what he gives you on offense is still extremely valuable because he does still space the floor the Bulls Mm -hmm. do run a lot of high pick and roll with him like near that three-point line and he's still a really good passing up so yes i i think there's still value here in on the offense that i think people are are sleeping on and when we look at what the defense was doing there was a point where this bulls team was playing very good defense and was playing (laughs) so it's not like he's a it's not like he's preventing the bulls from playing defense but certainly gobert is obviously like a huge defensive upgrade and more reliable on that aspect so yeah it's a it's a tough thing to figure out like I'm just very I I don't know I'm very hesitant to just like pour all of that into Gobert for and lock him up in his 30s for that type of money and then giving up those assets on top of it
1: completely fair and I, I agree with you about Vooch like Vooch has been underrated now and like you know, the shooting could just be variants. Like he could very well just come in next year and hit 38% of his threes. Yeah. And like all of a sudden it, you know, everybody's back on, Oh, vucic is actually good. So I, I, I get it. I get it. And it's hard to replace the, the passing. Um, Go is nowhere near the, you know, ha- that kind of offensive feel. Yeah. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely cons to the Gobert thing for as many pros as there are and I think you have to weigh like do you feel like Rudy Gobert is going to turn into Ben Wallace in a year or two years
2: nah nah that won't happen
1: I I I think I don't (laughs) think so either and that's why I'm pro right so does what he does defensively give you get you that much closer than what you're losing offensively and what you have to add so if there was no plan after Gobert to add like the kind of offensive pieces, I would be like, ah, we're, that's a little tricky because once the playoffs come, things are going to get real grimy, real, real stuck in the mud real quick. We definitely have moves we got to make after that for yeah. for sure if we if make a move for him.
2: Yeah, the, the shooting yeah, aspect. Oh, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I will just saying. Yeah, I, for me, like I'm, I've been one of the Vooch defenders. Like for me, this is not about like getting rid of Vooch because I like Vooch. I think he is like me and Ed have been saying like, yeah, did he disappoint in a sense? Sure. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't live up to what we needed him to really be, but he was still a good player. Like he still impacted the game in other ways, uh, especially as that offensive hub, being that guy that the uh, Zach and Demarcan, you know be a release felt be a release felt for those guys like if you get rid of that you're kind of losing that especially even in the short roll game you're losing that big piece and rudy gobert is not much of a passer um and then obviously you would hope pat could be that but pat would be gone in a trade so then you're losing that big aspect that third guy that can really you know generate looks for people and maybe if lonzo stays healthy that can you know, you'll be getting more Lonzo in that short role, and maybe even Caruso because Caruso shows some good connectivity uh, as a, as a passer as well. But yeah, th- those, it's not about Wooch for me at all. It's just definitely about the potential that Gobert brings to the team yeah. and how much better he makes the team. Not, yeah, like Vooch. I'm a Vooch guy. Through and through, I'm a Vooch guy for sure.
2: Yeah. It, the, the shooting, as- if, if that deal does go down, like like you guys said, the shooting aspect would be critical because then you're you st- you're taking away a guy that, even though he struggled with the three last year, you're taking away someone that is willing to shoot the ball and getting a non-shooter back. So then it's going to put more pressure to on you to fill out the rest of your roster with guys who can actually make that shot. And we saw how much of an issue that was in the Milwaukee series because when Milwaukee was going on runs, they were hitting those, they were hitting threes and the Bulls didn't really have that they didn't really have that gear uh, for the team. We saw it like maybe once, and I think Kobe White played a big part of it, but when you, you don't have that gear for that perimeter shot, it can really make getting those runs in the playoffs a little tougher because that streakiness factor, it, it definitely matters.
0: What? Uh, so let's say, okay, obviously let's say the Bulls don't do the big move, which – probably won't happen I know AK has gone back and forth on it saying he wants continuity with this roster um the bulls then have like the said the full mid level exception uh at their disposal they do have that five million uh traded player exception that they can still use to add a player into their uh ro- into that cap situation um and then, uh there's like I said, there's other option players out there, like we've talked about they could still go after a guy like Slomo if they wanted to, um, even without doing that Rudy really Gobert trade. Uh what what are your thoughts on what the Bulls should do? Like how what are your thoughts even like as a rim protector to add a guy like Mo Bamba uh for the for maybe the partial mid level? I don't know how much he's gonna garner in the free agency out. I still will be like – someone was saying that he's going to get the full mid-level from his team, but I'd be surprised if he gets that just because – I mean, I think he showed some promise last season, but I'm still I, – I, I've talked to some Orlando people who still, like, have concerns about him, and I'm putting concerns in quotes. Not sure if he's he can be counted on full t- – like, in a big role like that, but – yeah, I mean, he'd be an interesting gamble to take, or maybe maybe go after Jab Jabial again. He would be a really good rim-running, rim-protecting big to try to lure. Obviously, with I don't know if he's planning to stay in Phoenix. Uh, he was only on a one-year deal. So, what are some of the smaller moves you're looking at, Corey, uh, that can help improve this team?
1: Yeah, I had Mo Bamba on my list uh, of guys. I think one, I think it, it'd be easier to picture him in like that fifteen to twenty-minute per game role on a winning team than a team like Orlando. Like he's not the let me impact the game to the point where we could be a playoff team by my sheer presence type of player. But I think that under the right circumstance, he's going to find a team and like he is able to space the floor. He was one of Orlando's best shooters, unfortunately for that team last year, like percentage wise, I think it was uh, Gary Harris and then him were the top two, three point shooters on the team uh and he's he's a good shot blocker he's long you know uh, to me I'm not giving up on him as uh, a guy who can actually like be a good player in the league and those are the type of guys that I think like to Edward's point like if he could replicate a little bit of what Gobert does in limited minutes while you keep a guy like Vooch who does all the stuff offensively and he could just roam around and try to be like a Robert Williams type of player Right. Uh, not as much as a, as a passer, obviously, but just replicate some of it, I think that could be a good guy to go after. Uh, Jalen Smith, similarly, maybe is a guy that you you look at who, you know, obviously, really weird start to his career, uh, having been given up on, on his rookie deal, but has shown some promise uh, over the last year. And then uh, I'm looking down the list and I'm like, man, this is tough because regardless, I want the Bulls to have more shooting, but it seems like, There's also not a ton of it, but I want guys that could kind of play more of like a consistent front court role. So like I was looking at like, can you bring Thad Young back? Uh, What would that cost? Like Kyle Anderson was on my list too. Maybe you pray that Joe Ingles recovers from his injury, but he's old. But like theoretically, what I think Joe Ingles would break is like uh, bring as a shooter and as a guy who could play make a little bit so he can keep the ball moving. But again, that's a tough injury for a guy that old. I don't know. The, The Bulls free agency is... It's like a weird class for to find like the role players. Batum, if he decided to come, which I know we're linked to, I would love that. Um, I don't want to pay PJ Tucker ten million a year for three years at his age. If it was a one-year deal, I would love it, but it's not. So you know, I I don't know. It's it's hard to find these margin moves, but I think there are guys available. I just don't know if they necessarily like they help certain ways, but also. I really think the Bulls need like more volume shooting, but a lot of the volume shooters don't play defense and the Bulls need defense too. So it's kind of a pick your poison type of situation. Mm
2: -hmm. What do you think about uh, when we were talking to Mort about this, he mentioned, he mentioned uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. What do do you think about him as a fit? If the Bulls are looking for a backup five.
1: Yeah, he, he was great this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he was, he was really, he was really effective. um, And he could do like, I think he could slide in and I mean, you play him behind Vooch and that's a high impact bench player. I'm wondering what he's going to cost. I know he's a big and bigs don't get like, you know, they don't get a ton of money, but I do wonder like, if there's a team who's just like could pencil him in as a starter somewhere and and pay him a little bit of like, even above the mid-level. I don't know. I don't know how much, you know, what the, his his market's gonna be, but I I think smart teams will will target him.
2: Yeah, like it it doesn't seem likely that he's gonna get like the full mid level or something like that. So maybe just even a piece of that mm. could work. Yeah,
1: for that that's a no brainer, right?
2: Yeah, if you could get him for like another any like one year deal, maybe like the second year is I don't know how the options work, but maybe the second year is like yeah. a team option, but. Maybe something like that could work, but then you could use the uh, other part of EMLE on an, another player that could uh, help your roster.
0: Yeah, be, uh, I'm I'm interested to see also what happens with Kobe White here because I was actually thinking they would move him on draft night um, for something, like whatever they could get, and then try to you know add another young player that they could probably develop, or maybe the 18th and Kobe to see if they can get Someone more established, like a veteran. Um, what What do you think is gonna happen with Kobe? Do you Do you still see him being moved at some point, or do you think he's gonna be back the next season? Because I, I think at this point, where like I'm not completely out at Kobe either. I, I think he he can develop like, like into that spark plug off the bench where you you're giving him opportunity to run with the second union, and he can he can give you some strong offense. I think we did see some development from him this year. And from like, like I keep saying from January to about like, so maybe like the last week of December, I should say, to about the end of February, he was legitimately a good player. Like he was doing certain things like creating off the dribble for uh, teammates and offense. I think you saw some defensive improvements. Like you saw him move his feet a little better. Um, He wasn't completely blowing assignments. Um and just as a s as a scorer too, he he looked like he was making better decisions. Uh but then I think his minutes kinda got pulled back again once uh Caruso came back and maybe that had an effect on him. But like I still think he can be good somewhere, but I just think with the Bulls it's tough because there's too many guards here and he's never gonna really get those minutes that he should probably need to develop. And maybe it could be like a Wendell Carter situation where he just needs to go somewhere else. Um, And I think the Bulls should look to move him, and I think it would be beneficial for both sides for that. But, yeah, like I said, what are your thoughts on Kobe and and, and you envision what's going to happen with him?
1: Kobe's one of the easiest guys to root for because he's a hard worker. He plays with effort. He just – I don't think he fits anymore. You know, I think the Bulls have to move off of him. I mean, especially drafting Dalen Terry, you know, like – Now there's, that's another guy that I think just theoretically fits the direction of the league better than Kobe, you know, uh, to me, like, you know, obviously Kobe made some improvements this year, shot the ball better from three, maybe he was slightly more consistent, but he just wasn't anywhere nearly as consistent as he needs to be. Um, Because I don't think he's a good defender. I think he plays hard. I think he tries, but he's the guy like, can you picture him playing minutes in a second round playoff series?
0: Yeah. That's, that's the question too. Like I can't, defense, yeah. you
1: know, I just can't picture it really, you know, because teams are going to target him when he's, he's not able to switch and guard up, you know, like Caruso mm. is literally like switching onto Giannis and it's like, okay, he's right. on the island, leave him, <laughs> right. you know, right. like, like that's going to be Kobe if he's out on, <laughs> on the floor. And that's not going to go well. I just can't picture him being on the floor even in the first round of the playoffs, you know, like we played Milwaukee. Like you can not He can't really play in a playoff setting if he's not consistently knocking down 40% of his threes. And yeah. that's a really tough ask for a guy like him. He's, you know, I, I like what he theoretically could be. But I think that you have to be, you have to have the perfect circumstance. Maybe if the Bulls traded for Gobert, it's a little easier right. to have Kobe on the floor because you have somebody to, to clean up the mess a little bit more often but to me like if they could recoup his just any kind of value for him even it, like even if it's the future first even if it's protected to me you got to you got to get something for him you can't just sit on it and and cuz you can't pay him either he's not going to accept no. some below market deal you know like to stay on the team as like this flamethrower he's gonna go he hasn't gotten his second contract he's gonna go try to get paid the Bulls can't match whatever some team is willing to pay him because no. he's never yeah. gonna recoup that value so for me I think ultimate. I don't think he's on the roster as the season opens for as much as you know AK could preach continuity I don't think Kobe is the kind of player that whether he's there or not, like messes with the continuity at all. So I I, I wish that he was more consistent. I wish he was two inches taller. I wish that a a lot of things, (laughs) but the reality, and it sucks because he's so easy to root for. It's clear he works on his game. It's clear he got drafted here and was put in positions to make him uncomfortable and not always look that great and push his boundaries and I think that'll help him grow as a player in the long run but in the short term he still hasn't necessarily found that consistent role and we just have too much guard depth now.
2: Yeah. And
1: right. and to me he's the last guy on the depth chart. Like I would rather develop Dale and Derry than watch Kobe be Kobe yeah. in my opinion. It, you know? Right. So I think they got to move on. It,
2: it seems like it, it seems like the current reality now of the NBA is that you want a flexible lineup that can't be exposed, exposed defensively in terms of switching and mismatches. And if you do have a player on the floor who can be exposed then they have to be able to make up for it on the offensive end. And I think Kobe White's problem is that. Uh, he, he's really just been a streaky shooter for like you mentioned, he's not a 40 percent guy. He came closer this year. Like He was at 38, uh, like a yeah, shade under 39%. So close to, closer to getting there. But it, he really needs to be consistently in that 38 to 40-ish range to really have a chance at not being to, – to have a chance at being a valuable contributor. Because I think if he is that, then I could see him in a lineup in a playoff series. But as you mentioned, there are still some other things that may have to be a factor in terms of having a good – rim protector and whatnot but it does seem like his time in Chicago was winding down and I I don't really know what you're gonna get for him at this point like it he wasn't moved on draft night and I I, a lot of players really weren't like but it's just I I don't know like his value just doesn't seem to be there like is it a second round pick is it like some some other struggling one-year rookie contract that you also have to take on like I, I don't know but um, he, he really has to become that consistent shooter and play the type of team defense that we saw him play for maybe like a stretch of last season where uh, it was like a one month stretch, maybe a one and a half months where he was playing solid team defense. And it was like, okay, this is the type of player that we can envision you being uh, being for the, in the NBA to be a solid contributor. But that kind of fell off a little bit when his shot wasn't there. So, with so much of his value being on that shot, it, it, it's going to be really tough for him.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think um, he can definitely become that consistent shooter. I just don't know no. what's going to happen with the Bulls anymore. Uh, and I think, like I said, I just don't – like we've mentioned, there's not minutes for him. I, and I think it's, it's just mutually beneficial for him to move on and go somewhere where he can – kind of get those minutes and be in a role that can fit him more or at least be where he can be more comfortable in and like I said maybe it could be a Wendell Carter situation where like he just needs to get out of you know Chicago and get into a place that uh, with a team that can really you know help him uh see those things come to fruition so yeah I'd be kind of surprised if Kobe's on the market on the team so starting train uh training camp but I guess you never know. Maybe, I mean, if if the Bulls aren't getting any real offers for him, uh, that could be tough as well. But, Corey, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. As we wrap up here, any final thoughts you might have on the draft, uh, on the Bulls in general? And obviously, always please share with our listeners what you're doing currently and what to look out for.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited to see – plays out you know we're we're a couple of days away i feel like now that we're back on the normal nba schedule like where it's like finals draft the yeah. agency it's like this awesome overload um, i'm excited you know i'll be attending summer league this year with the no ceilings crew uh, i'm excited to see the bulls young guys in action in person in the summer league setting so that's going to be cool coming up and uh we're going to be doing a lot of you know cool summer league content checking in on you know the guys from this rookie class over at no Ceilings. so uh yeah make sure you, you head to no dot subscribe uh it's free get it del- everything delivered to your inbox monday through friday we're going to be still doing content throughout the summer um you know going to start getting in on the the 2023 class and trying to get everybody prepared a little bit earlier this year for the guys that are that are coming in um as well as doing you know kind of pieces checking in on this current class and and maybe some of the guys that are going into their second year in the in the nba we're going to try to expand into a little bit more nba coverage next year uh you can make sure you're subscribed to uh no ceilings tv the youtube channel the nba draft dude my youtube channel uh the draft DAC nba draft podcast and the no ceilings uh nba draft podcast as well and um yeah, that's, that's, you could find me in all of those spots, Corey CoreyTelba on Twitter, and you'll you'll find everything that the whole team is is doing if you, you end up at, at any one of those spots in particular.
0: Yeah, definitely follow Corey, a highly knowledgeable draft guy and just in general knowledgeable about the NBA and all things basketball in general too. So give him a follow, read all his work, look at all his work uh, because it, you'll learn something for sure um ed any final thoughts as we wrap up here
2: yeah man thank thank you for Corey. uh thank you to Corey for dropping by as always and just always a wealth of knowledge on the draft check out his stuff always dropping just extremely knowledgeable content great content always very creative uh yeah looking forward to free agency uh thursday at 6 eastern i'm, I'm still getting used to the uh the six eastern part of it
0: yeah, yeah it's, right. that's
2: the i remember like just all the stuff when it used to go down at midnight and it was the <laughs> oh my god who's outside of uh whoever's house and they just showed up with a pizza and pat riley and an agent and,
1: <laughs> and is,
2: is, wait is that a gm in the bushes spying like all of those stories used to be so much fun but it's a different time now but i, I do miss the uh the midnight uh free agent starts it was very unique and fun
0: <laughs> yeah 100 uh those were really definitely unique and fun but i like i like what they've done with this six o'clock stuff because i it's it's like prime time hours and the nba like essentially owns yeah. you know everything at that time because there's so much constant news dropping loge bombs sham bombs or whatever you want to call them
2: wait wait uh, wait who's 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 snitching this year uh mm-hmm. <laughs> Who, oh yeah yeah who's snitching it. this year i don't want to see any 601 scoops i
0: don't yeah, want to see no, none right i don't want to see like none it. oh man no, definitely like well there's always gonna be, there's not, there's always gonna be those yeah, scoops that, that happen and uh i think you know it's funny like i think the only time they, the nba investigates is if it's a sign and trade or something like that because I think those are the usually the ones that take a little bit more legwork, so they're like suspicious on how things get done so quick. Cool. So maybe that's why the they ta- the tampering can investigation can be a little more easier to investigate. I should, I should they got
2: to they got to <laughs> do like some fake tweets to be like, oh, uh, momentum gaining here for uh, yeah. this this deal. Oh, it's it's coming. Oh, and it just. <laughs>
0: Right, like R- Rich Paul just needs to cool it. Man. Like he can, he can yeah. wait till like six six thirty. He he doesn't. It doesn't need to be at six oh one. That uh, Alonzo's announced six thirty is fine. Like you don't need to <laughs> wait till you know it, it, it wasn't gonna make a big difference. Alonzo was still gonna get that big money. You were still gonna get the same dollar amounts. Come on stop it <laughs> so yeah we'll, grow up. we'll see what grow happens up, Is Paul? yeah dude. grow up dude stop stop screwing the bulls like stop <laughs> we have to give up a second rounder for you because you couldn't wait uh it's just like 30 minutes but anyways <laughs> uh that, that's a wrap today's show if you've missed any previous episodes you can find us on the D barroom network and all all blah on all major and minor podcast platforms thank you again to Corey Toba for joining us today And thank you to the listeners tuning in, as for Edward Schuller and myself. Till next time, Bulls fans.